Christie and Matt McDonald are vocal few, and they've come for a visit with The Antidote. So great to have the two of you here. Well, thanks for having us, Dave. We appreciate it. Thank you. I usually start a talk with a band by asking about their background, but how about we make this a little more personal? Matt, what about telling us about how you and Christy met? Wow, we met, uh, well, I was 15. I was a camper at summer camp. She was, uh, My she was on goodness. staff. <laughs> yeah, we, we just kind of were friends then. Um, and then I came back as staff the next year and um, and then came back again the next year. And that's when we kind of hit it off. I was about 17. She was 10 months older than me. And we were both working at a at a summer camp, and uh, we kind of hit it off. And then, basically, for better or worse, for more or less, we, we've been together ever since. <laughs> okay, Christy, now it's your chance. Do you want to tell us if Matt messed <laughs> any of this up or not? <laughs> so there's a better version. I think he pretty much covered it. Yeah, we met at summer camp, and we were only 15 and 16 at the time, and that was way back in 1998. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when Vocal Few began, Matt, you were busy as vocalist for the classic crime. What was it like you just wanted to have more stress in your life by starting a new project? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I was uh, pretty much motivated by the impending birth of our first child. Christy was pregnant and you know, she had a bucket list of things she wanted to do before becoming a mother. And on that list was to record a few songs with me. She sings and plays piano as well. And so I had some songs I was, you know, fiddling around with. And uh, I knew that they weren't classic crime songs, but I didn't know where they would go because they were kind of folk oriented with acoustic guitar. And uh, I was thinking maybe they'll go on a classic crime acoustic EP or something in the future. But she presented this uh, proposition uh, basically, I want to record an album with you, so let's do it. And then so I got to work and I did it like a good boy should. And, uh, and, and it turned out really good. So we thought, well, you know what? We've got this expense coming up to just look at a child in really raw data terms. <laughs> uh, why don't we release this on our band camp? We'll, we'll make a name, we'll make a band, we'll make a thing. And we'll release it, and people can get it for free. It's a four-song EP. It's our first uh, EP called She'll Be Right. And they can get it for free, or they can pitch in. And whatever amount they want to throw in to get the songs, that will go towards diapers, essentially. <laughs> so um, so we did that. We just kind of released it, and you know, people really liked it, and they paid for it, even though they could have gotten it for free. And we were able to pay for a lot of the expenses of the first uh, birth that we had. We have three kids now, so <clears throat> every time we had a kid, we thought, what are we going to do? Well, we might as well do another EP. And so that's kind of been, the, that's our touring cycle or, or album cycle. It's have a child and then um, and then try to pay for, for some of that with music. Personally, I would have thought that having a baby shower would be a lot less complicated. Oh, we had those too. I mean, we had we we had plenty of those. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I usually find the music of husband and wife duos to be pretty crappy. I mean, <laughs> well, realistically, they often have one member with all the ability, and the other one just tags along. But vocal feud doesn't have that problem, does it? Oh, that's really kind of you to say that. I definitely feel sometimes like I'm hanging on some coattails, but Matt is really generous in allowing me to feel like I have more of a 
Well, she, she can sing, that's for sure. And she can play piano. So, I mean, there's there's no surprise there that I could definitely use that uh, in songs that I write. Um, but yeah, we try to do it pretty equalitarian-wise. And, you know, I sit down, I have some songs, I play them for her, and she comments and she tweaks things, and I ask about this or that. And so we get together. I mean, you haven't written a ton of songs, no, I haven't written any songs front to back. I, well, uh, you did. You had a nice interlude on our second EP. Yeah, you? an interlude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not for uh, any specific reason. It's mostly just because I have songs coming out of my ears, and I just go, okay, these are vocal few songs. Let's go. Let's do it. So, um, But yeah, I mean, she's obviously half the band, and she does a ton of work behind the scenes, too. So I, I honestly, I couldn't do it. If I had to carry another band, I couldn't do it. It's kind of almost more her project than mine. <laughs> I think you've already brought up the key point about your music is just how well you two harmonize. I mean, not wanting to dump on either the guitar or the keys from Vocal Few, but that is the big appeal for me is the vocals. I'd like to hear you talk about your music. What do you think? Should it be the melody or the vocals that dominate the songs? Well, I'm kind of a lyric guy. So anything that goes along with the lyrics, like melody, I, I'm always focusing on that. I always, you know, if you want to split people in into two groups, which is probably pretty blunt and not helpful, but there are those who hear the music first, and then there are those who hear the words. And I'm a words guy. And so I, I write words, and I like meaning, and I like metaphors, and I like poetry. And so I, I always gravitate towards those aspects of the song. And then... Um, you know, sometimes to a fault, sometimes I, I can overlook the music uh, a little too much. But um, but that's kind of what I focus on. And then obviously, I mean, Christy's a great harmony singer. She can just lock in with whatever I'm doing with the melody and just kind of off the top of her head, I come up with something really cool. So it's it's fun to work with that. Yeah. And Matt and I, I mean, that's been something we've enjoyed far before Vocal Few ever existed was singing together in various capacities. And so we've had a lot of practice and have enjoyed that over the years together. And yeah, just like yeah, singing harmonies. Christy grew up in like a singing family. Her and her three sisters, they do like the four-part harmonies and they sing together. So she's got a long history of, of locking in those harmonies and, and sounding great. So it was easy for me to just go, okay, I, I'm in a band where guys, you know, the classic crime, they don't necessarily want to sing their harmonies sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice to have someone who enjoys it. Maybe they just weren't listening to the Beach Boys as they grew up. <laughs> right, as, as both Christy and I did. So Yes. <laughs> it's too funny, Matt, that you brought up about how you're the word guy. And we go back to your first EP that has this grammatically incorrect title, She'll be right. <laughs> I mean, why that name? It's a bad spelling of um, a term I heard in Australia when my band, The Classic Crime, was down there in 2011. And this is when Christy was pregnant. We were thinking about what we we're going to do and, and kind of worried a lot. And the Aussies, they have this saying they uh, out on the Gold Coast. They're like, she'll be right, mate. She'll be right. Like, it'll be okay. And I always thought they were saying she'll be right. What they're saying is she'll be all right. They just don't say the all. They just, she'll be right. And uh, I, that was kind of a mantra. It's like, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. She'll be right. 
and I've spoken to so many Aussies, and you nailed that accent. <laughs> well, I practiced a lot down there. We had um, we had a contest between the tour manager, who was Australian, and us, who could do a better um, accent, and vice versa. And so he would do an American accent. And he'd be like, "Hey, dude, let's go to the baseball game. Get some hot dogs." <laughs> and we would we would practice our our Australian. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> Your follow-up EP, Tall Trees, includes the song Wild I Am. Now, Christy, this is up to you. Who's the true wild one? Is it you or Matt? <laughs> um, I think Matt leads the charge on that, but I think I chose him because he is the wild one and I want to join in on that or have somebody lead the way. I want to be wild at heart. <laughs> now you've left it wide open. You've got to pin it down. What is the wildest thing that Matt has ever done? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. That's such a hard question. He's just super brave and down to try anything. And, you know, anytime we go anywhere or do anything, I have to run to keep up with him because he's always several steps ahead. Um, I can't really think of a specific example. You have your own question. No, I don't. I mean, <laughs> What's your own story? I'm self-forgetting of all my wildness. It's yeah, just, Matt doesn't even know how wild he is. It's He's just, just charging in, forward. It's instincts. Yeah. I mean, we, when we first started dating, you were I was into more extreme sports, you know, snowboarding, skiing, wakeboarding, that stuff. And uh, I, I remember one of our pastimes at camp and then afterwards was jumping off of bridges oh yeah and uh <laughs> christy was christy was in a snowboarding too so that was kind of a a deal maker for me but um yeah but matt yeah. really drew me in at camp with his backflip <laughs> and um eventually taught me how to do that so we were backflipping off tall structures and bridges and things yeah. in the water and i used to have a party trick where i would backflip off a dumpster um <laughs> i would bet people you think I could backflip off that dumpster? And if they didn't know me, they'd say, yeah, I bet you, bet you can't. I'd say, give me five bucks. I'll do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and a 16-year-old me was totally sold on that. Yeah. I thought, this, this guy's awesome. I don't know that five bucks, it makes it sound like more money than you could make as a musician. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was making a killing. <laughs> okay, so let me guess. So kids come onto the scene and Christy says, no more wild stuff. <laughs> well yeah here's the funny thing it's like a push and pull our whole lives <laughs> i'm like no more wild stuff wait a minute i i like that part of you bring it back just keep it tame yeah but yeah tame wild i think we've kind of doubled down on our wild stuff i mean we've gone on more adventures with kids than we did without um we we have this i don't know if it's counterculture but this notion that that we we don't want to do what everyone else does we don't want to we don't want to become ghosts we want to uh, we want to thrive and be a part of of the journey of life and really engage with it. And so that's why we go on these tours and we take our kids with us and we go see national parks and we we kind of just get out there. And I think it's been great to to have Vocal Few as a vehicle for that because now we can kind of do those things as a family, whereas before it was just me and my guy friends on the road. And um, so doing it as a family is, is more fun. It's just uh, it's an adventure. Yeah, then we don't have to miss each other all the time. I think you guys are insane. You take your kids on <laughs> tour with you. We were talking about stress earlier. I can't imagine taking it to that level. <laughs> well, if you beat them enough, they uh, 
Well, no, it's 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 you know we we got an RV this time because we have three kids. We used to do it in the fifteen passenger van, and that was a little harder, you know, moving in and out of the hotel rooms and setting up beds and everything. But we have bunks in the back of the RV now, so we're pretty excited about the freedom that's going to allow us in the evenings. But um, yeah, our kids are, are they sleep pretty well, and you know, kids are pretty resilient. Um, you know, after a couple days on the road, they kind of just look around and go, "Okay, I guess I live here now." And that that helps, you know, because they're not so rigid in their thinking and um, and they can kind of adapt. You know, a lot of people, I think, are afraid of the idea because, you know, it sounds very tedious and it sounds like it's going to be disruptive. But as long as you have a routine on the road, especially, I think the kids, they they just fall right into that groove pretty quickly. Yeah, they thrive on it. And I think um, they're also excited for new experiences and adventures. I guess it must be in the blood. <laughs> yeah, it's the DNA. <laughs> <laughs> My kids, the biggest memories they always have is us traveling in the tent trailer. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. You know, we even saved up money for years and did the Disney World thing. And it's like, what was that like? Well, it was fun. But, you know, camping down in the Maritimes in the tent trailer, that was by far the best thing. Right. And that's, that's funny. Those are the memories you have and just being aware of that. The fondest memories are when you struggle together as a family. And I think that's why camping is so appealing because camping generally sucks. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of discomfort. You know, it could rain or, um, you know, you're, you smell like wood smoke all the time and it's a little bit cold and dewy in the morning. And But you're all in it together. And I think that it's kind of a safe way to struggle together in sort of a team building sense. <laughs> now you've got the RV, so it's not that uncomfortable. No, no, we're actually looking forward to that. Um, yeah, the RV is going to make it a lot nicer. We can we can make meals and refrigerate food. and you Yeah, know. having fresh food on hand is going to be a huge plus. <laughs> yeah. A little bit less fast food in the mix. Well, you were talking about touring. You guys have a busy summer plan because Vocal Few is doing a living room tour this summer. Can you fill us in about that? Yeah, we are going to be doing an eight-week nationwide um, living room tour this summer, and we're hitting basically every major city or close to um, across the whole country, and it'll be the longest tour we've done to date. Uh, the last one that we did was six weeks. Um, so we're really excited to um, get out there, and it, the routing is kind of interesting because we are actually – um, planning to live in Nova Scotia um, for one school year on Matt's grandparents' property. Mm -hmm. And uh, so our routing, you know, normally we do kind of a lopsided circle from Seattle all the way around the country and back, but we're going to be doing a zigzag <laughs> back and forth and then landing up in um, Nova Scotia. So we're super excited. Not only is this tour going to be a really big adventure, but um, that next year will be as well. But back to your kids, you got to really tell me the truth here. Are your kids actually your roadies? You know, no. there, no, there are child labor laws. They don't, they don't help at all. <laughs> we would like them to be. I mean, we would violate all the laws if they worked for us. I but. think we could sell a lot of merch if we put them behind the merch table. Yeah. Those cute faces. <laughs> Have them wear the smallest size t-shirts as a dress. Have them wear rags. <laughs> <laughs> Big tip jar. Now, with this summer being a living room tour, how different is it playing in someone's living room versus playing a club date? It's a huge difference. And I think it's kind of, it just goes along with my mentality, and I think Christie's as well, is just kind of being counter to what 
what everybody thinks something should be. So whether or not it's counter to what people think parents or child rearing or, um, you know, being in your mid thirties, what that should look like. In, in this sense, this is counter to what a show is. It's, um, you know, in a rock club, I've done, you know, thousands, I don't know, thousands, but definitely several hundred over the last 10 years. And it's, it's a sort of an elevated experience. It's really noisy. There's the lights, it's dark. I'm actually literally elevated on stage with my bandmates. People are looking up at us. It's a little bit uh, uncomfortable. I mean, if you just turn the lights on and shut the music off, it would be like, what are we all doing here? Um, but it's fun also because it's this really amplified experience and there's a lot of energy. But what you kind of lose is maybe the more sincere human aspects of sharing music with people. And that's why we chose living rooms. Living rooms are a space where people live. And music and life, when they can come, come together in that way, and we can have conversations and we can laugh and actually be, you know, on eye level with each other. It's a totally different experience. And that's why I think it's appealing to me because I'm used to kind of being disconnected. There's a barrier. There's a wall between me and the listener. And to kind of bring it all down to no microphones, just what's coming out of our instruments and our voices is what is as it reverberates around the room. It's a completely different and I think special experience and it's becoming much more common for artists to do this well yes it's um it's definitely expedient i mean the cost is low you don't have to rent a big venue and run tickets and do a promoter and a booking agent we book these things on our own we just post on facebook and send a few emails and people submit their houses you know we can sell a lot less tickets and still pay all of our expenses because there's just not a high cost and so it's kind of a win-win all the way around. And you can park the motorhome in their driveway. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Have a little uh, green room on wheels. <laughs> yeah, and it gives us the freedom to schedule timing and things as well. You know, club shows usually start really late and run really late. But with this, we can have it all wrapped up by the time our kids are ready for bed and hit the road. So it's super ideal for, for our situation. I've never had the chance to see Vocal Few at a show. What are the odds of you guys doing any Canadian dates? Well, we did uh, go across Canada in 2013. Uh, 13, or was it 2013? Something like that. 2014. 14. We yeah. did 13 dates across Canada. Um, and those were fun. Uh, long drives. Yeah, that's the curse of Canadian musicians. A lot of them just die. Just, <laughs> it's too far between gigs. It is yeah. really far. It's a big expense, um, especially when gas prices are higher. But um, but yeah, we, we felt it was a successful tour and we had a lot of fun doing it. And we would totally be open to do it again um, in the future. I know we're going to be touring back from Nova Scotia in uh, the summer of 2018. And so maybe we can look at doing some Canadian shows on the way back. That would be fun to dip into Canada and a few places mm -hmm. there. Do you know that we are both born in Canada? We're both Canadian. You're both Canadian. This means yes. I actually get Canadian content on my show. That's yes, incredible. <laughs> yeah, I was born in Vancouver, BC, and I lived just outside of Vancouver, Richmond, for the first 10 years of my life before I moved across the border. And Christy lived in... Uh, yeah, I grew up in Pitt Meadows, BC. And um, the camp that Matt and I met at was actually in Canada, um, in Vancouver, called Anvil Island Daybreak Point Bible Camp. So we met there, and then when we got married, 
a few years later, I moved down to the U.S. So I'm still totally Canadian. Matt's naturalized American citizen, but yeah. Canada will always recognize his birth certificate. Yes, yes. <laughs> and our kids are Canadians born abroad that we just officially got their certificates so that we can move to Canada. So that works out, doesn't it? It's great. <laughs> we got to get into some more of your music 2015 had Vocal Few releasing the Dream Alive. I adore that EP. I oh, mean, thank you. Much of the music ties into love and relationships. Some get into the darker side, like the song Blue. Now, the two of you seem so close, I really can't see that those song lyrics are fitting your relationship. Well, I mean, to be honest, they kind of do sometimes. I mean, you know, every relationship is ups and downs. Um, and sometimes there is, you know, there is a rift or there's a, there's something separating us. And, you know, you have to reconcile that to become close and become, uh, to grow from it. And so, I mean, that one isn't specific, but um, there are times when it's sort of a perspective of singing to someone who is kind of wrapped up in their darker emotions. Um, they're sad or depressed and as their loved one trying to draw them out of that. And that can be a difficult thing for a lot of people to do. It's a high task, but it's one that we're tasked with if we are in a relationship with somebody. Sometimes you have to carry the load, the emotional weight of your partner. And so uh, I would say, yeah, that, that occurs. That occurs in our relationship not as frequently as maybe it used to, but um, it's definitely a real part. And we like to sing about real things and not just sugarcoat the reality of our, our experience. And don't you find a lot of artists do like to do that to sugarcoat? Yeah. And, and like I said, we're against what everyone likes to do. (laughs) (laughs) Troublemakers. Yeah. Another song that I found from the Dream Alive release that I absolutely adore called The Corner Dwellers. And I labeled that as the greatest song from 2015, legitimately. I mean, it is so incredibly emotional that I still end up in tears every time I listen to it. How did the song come about? Well, um, you know, Christy and I were were going through um, a period of kind of deconstructing our worldview and kind of feeling on the outside, on the outside of our, what we were raised to believe about how the world works, and maybe the outside of our, our immediate community, and really challenging a lot of um, our presuppositions about what are we going to teach our kids? What are we going to cling to? Because it, it feels like everything's sort of slipping through our fingers here. And we really embraced it and went into it fully. Like we didn't, we didn't try to sugarcoat it, so to speak. And we were reading a lot and thinking a lot and questioning a lot of um, kind of ideas, religious ideas, political ideas, etc. And, uh, you know, there was some periods of just darkness in that. There were some, some, some hopeless periods. And I remember waking up one morning and it was kind of in this half-wake, half-sleep state of mind where we had left the window open and it had rained. And the window's right by our bed. And I, I heard a car tires kind of roll by on the wet pavement. And I was struck with this fear that I was outside and that a car was coming at me. Like I was on the street, you know, with my eyes closed. Because it, it was just a visceral kind of lizard brain 
amygdala fear. And, and then I was struck with this idea that that is kind of a perfect metaphor for where we were at just with our, our deconstruction and just kind of feeling like we were on the outside, that we had so much more in common with those who were outside. And there are people who live outside and who face that visceral fear every day, um, waking up to the reality that they don't have a home, that they aren't um, in a community or that they don't belong. And I was experiencing that in that moment as I woke up and I kind of had a, a new empathy for the homeless, you know, in, in a literal sense, but then also metaphorically people who are maybe spiritually homeless or feel a little bit alienated by a community. And, uh, and so I, I kind of rolled over and wrote the first, the first verse into my, my notes app in my phone. And then uh, later that day, I, I started just picking on the guitar and put it all together. Do you think it's easier to write a song just spontaneously instead of sitting down and sort of trying to logically progress through the lyrics? Oh, absolutely. I end up hating the songs that I have to create with <laughs> my frontal cortex. I would rather them just all come out in five minutes like my favorite ones do. Um, but, you know, it's both. It's a both-and situation. You need to be able to critically think and to recreate certain techniques Um when you feel kind of um, emotionally spent or the, the inspiration's not there or the muse is not speaking. But the best songs that I've written almost felt like they didn't come from me at all. They just came from somewhere outside of me and I was just kind of like a vehicle for it. And then it was out and then I get to take all the credit for it, which I don't like to do because I'm really worried that they'll stop coming. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a moment ago, you mentioned about deconstructing your faith. Mm -hmm. You were accused of having liberal theology because of some of the points that you brought up on the song Beloved. Should right. Christians always have the same perspective? No. Oh, and they don't. And that's part of the great tradition of Christianity is that over the years, different people have come with different perspectives and and brought new things to light. And that's how we progress. That's how we learn more. Um, you know, if you can think of a pre-Augustinian uh, theology versus, you know, the very diverse and nuanced theologies that are present today, you would say that's just brash and archaic. But because we have great thinkers and theologians and activists and poets, musicians, that are always kind of pushing the boundaries and trying to uncover more of this mystery that we call God. That's how we get a better perspective. And, you know, we might all be addressing the same thing as far as if the topic is this mystery, that is God, that is the source of life, then we're all looking at, at the same thing, but from different viewpoints. And every view is just a view from a point, right? So if it's 360 degrees around it, and I think we should engage with all the other viewpoints and see if they have merit. Are they logical at their core? Are they consistent? Are they coherent? Rather than just be afraid of the people that are on the little outcropping over there because they're Anabaptists and we're charismatic or I don't know, you know, whatever the difference might be. I think uh, the exploration of the unknown requires uh, kind of a more open posture and, um, not necessarily just embracing anything that comes along, but being open to it, because that could inform and enhance 
and grow not only your empathy for other people, but also just your concepts so that, the, that you can be a more beneficial presence to the world. Well, Matt, we need to bring the classic crime back into this talk. It's been a few years, but now the band has a brand new full length, How to Be Human. Yeah, we just came out with it um, April 28th. We're heading out uh, to tour the East Coast of the U.S., and we're excited. It's been five years since we had a full length of new material, um, and we did an acoustic 10-year anniversary album a couple years back, but that doesn't count. So it's been it's been a long time coming since we could kind of experience the energy of new music and um, bringing something new and fresh to the people who want to hear it, and it's just fun to get the responses and the people who are engaging with it critically. I think this record does that in a way. It sort of provokes uh, a lot of critical thinking. Um, and I just love that. I love that art can do that in a way that, you know, no one's, maybe someone won't read an essay or maybe someone won't, you know, watch a video. But if it's music that they like, they're suddenly open to engaging with it. And um, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I get to provoke critical thought, and I also get to do sing my heart at the same time, and those are kind of two passions of mine. Well, so long as you only provoke thoughts and not provoke Christy, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, I try, I try to stay away from that. I've learned, I've learned the hard way. Well, Matt and Christy, thanks for coming on The Antidote, and guys, have a great time on the road this summer. Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Dave.